Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Career Matters Podcast. This is your host, Nisar Ahmad. This is episode 93 of the Career Matters Podcast. And in this episode, we are continuing the A Day in the Life of series. And if you have followed us or listened to these episodes in this series, you know that I conduct interviews from individuals from a particular profession or career. And for today's episode, I'm speaking with someone in the IT industry. Uh, our guest, Orette Morgan II, is a Linux systems engineer. And we'll learn more about what that is. And Orat will be sharing his experience, how he got started, what he does day in, day out, and some of the details as well. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Hey, Orat, uh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you, Nisar, for your introduction. I am very happy to be here, and I am very happy to give explanation of what my day-to-day task is and so on. Uh, for those of you who might be just listening, I am 28 years old about to be 29 years old. I started in IT about five or six years ago professionally, and I just kind of like worked my way up and so on. Um, I do like my job, and that's one thing that I will stress before going in the interview, is that if you do not like IT, if you're not a person who likes fixing things, building things, or whatever else when it comes to computers, this is probably not a role for you. But I think that it's a love that you can actually gain, because when I originally started in IT, it wasn't a passion of mine. But after a while of being in the role, I really did come to like it. And so, so far, this is where I see my career heading. Thanks for mentioning that because one of the common themes I've heard in these interviews is no matter what role people do, they really enjoy what they do. And from people outside the job may not understand or appreciate what they do, the people doing it, like yourself, enjoy it. So it's always good to get someone on this call or, or this interview who has, a, who has an excitement for what they do. I'm sure myself and the audience would love to learn more. But before that, a, question, a fun question I always ask. Where are you calling from, Moret? Great. So I'm calling from the beautiful state of Virginia. I think the slogan is Virginia's for lovers. I live in Herndon, Virginia, which is about 45 minutes if traffic is good, which that's never the case outside of D.C. Generally, when I'm trying to go into D.C., it takes me about an hour and a half. Thankfully, they're building the uh, metro. The D.C. metro is actually coming all the way out to my address within a year. So if, when I do need to go to DC, um, I'll be able to actually hop on the Metro, but I'm about 45 minutes from DC. If traffic is decent, I'm right near the Dulles international airport. I'm like five minutes away from there. In fact, at night and during the day when it's quiet, you can actually hear the airplanes in the distance taking off. Overall, it's a really nice area. The whole entire area of Herndon, Sterling, and also um, Tyson's Corner, which those are kind of like the three different cities that are nearby each other. They're all in IT. And a lot of the work around here is government contracting or so on. A lot of these contracts support government installations or so on. So almost everybody that you'll probably talk to on a regular basis who's going to be working in this area they either are in IT or they probably know someone who's working in IT. So it's a really good area if you are looking to get into the IT industry or even move up into the IT industry because everybody out here speaks binary, if I were to put it in something. No, thanks for, uh, I mean, thanks for sharing that because that's interesting. You, you know, you don't understand a lot about a place 
unless you talk to someone who lives there, they'll give you insights. And that's what exactly you did right now. So that's always interesting. For those of us who are unfamiliar with what a Linux systems engineer does, could you start off by telling what exactly the role is? Sure. So different companies have different definitions of what an engineer is. However, I can say that across the board, all the positions that I've ever worked in or that I've applied for, the long and short of the story is that a Linux systems engineer is a person who designs, builds, configures, and troubleshoots Linux systems. It's a little different than a systems administrator, and I will basically go into a little different. So as a systems administrator, you possibly do have the ability to build systems and so on, but generally systems administrators are generally managing stuff. They're fixing things that are broken. They're applying minor fixes. A lot of the times they'll do new installations, but generally they're not designing a system. I'll give you an example. Let's say that as a Linux systems engineer, you were handed a project and the project would be you are supposed to install a system that basically tracks time for people. Now, you might be required to build that system from ground up. Generally, you would be working with an SDE, software development, development engineer, and both you and the software development engineer would be closely aligned in building a system. So they would do the programming side, you would do the administration side, but you also have to understand the programming side because a lot of these applications are built to specifically run on a specific box. And um, a lot of them, they're going to be running in virtualized environment. That's where the industry is heading right now, where almost everything is being virtualized, whether on VMware, EXI, host, or hypervisors, such as um, Microsoft's Hyper-V and so on. And so as a Linux systems engineer, your role a lot of the times is going to be responsible for designing Linux systems. And when I say Linux systems, I'm not just talking about one box. You're talking about hundreds, if not thousands of servers that are supposed to that are supposed to work as one unit. And so that's the gist of what a Linux systems engineer is. And I'm curious, how did you get started in this career? Is this something that you knew out of school, this is where you wanted to be, or this just progressed naturally? That's a very good question. So originally when I started out in school, I wanted to be a doctor. That was my original plan. And based on, and the reason for that was because the majority of my family is in the medical field. They're either nurses, doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, etc. And so I was naturally being moved into that role because, and to be honest with you, I did like medicine. So it's not because I was doing it because my family wanted me to do it. It's because I actually liked medicine. But about, about after about two semesters into the nursing program, because my original plan was to become a nurse and then work my way through medical school so that way I could cut down on my debt and whatever else I would have to get, I decided that nursing was not for me. And so out of there, I kind of like took a break from college for a semester And I was deciding what I should move out into next. And a very good friend of my dad, a friend who had actually went to my dad, they both went to college together. He suggested that I look into IT because like, all right, he's like, I think that you have a really good aptitude for information technology. And that would probably be something that you should check out. He's like, if you do an A plus, you can get yourself basically like an entry level job in IT, making anywhere from about $35,000 to maybe $40,000 a year. So I decided to take that up. And after playing around with a couple of computers and whatever else, I'm like, this can't be that hard. So I switched my major to computer systems administration. I went to a private university. And after about a year and a half, two years into the program, I was gaining a lot of debt. I think I got myself into about $30,000 worth of debt. And seeing how everybody else who had graduated from the program was either in the 70s to close to $100,000 worth of debt because it's a private university. 
I decided that that was not for me. So I dropped out of school and I decided that I was going to go to a local um, community college, actually UCF, University of Central Florida, and then kind of like work my way up. But halfway through, the, halfway through myself paying off the debt for college, I was introduced to a program at Winter Park Tech that's in Winter Park, Florida, right outside, right next to Orlando. It's like the next town over from Orlando. And the professor there told me that he would be able to get me into the program and so on. And I should be able to get my A plus within about a year. I moved through the program in six months and I started the program in January. And by May, I had my first job. And from then, the rest is history. I kind of just like worked my way in different jobs until I finally landed the position that I am at now. That's great to hear. Uh, so it sounds like uh, it was something that changed over the course of your education. Then, then once you started working in the field, you've progressed to this position. Sounds like a nonlinear career path, which is another common thing I see in these interviews. Yes. And that's a really good thing about it. Um, it's, there is the possibility to really do whatever you want in IT, obviously within reason, once you get in. And one of the good things that I do like about it is that there's so many different areas that you can branch out into. Eventually, I do plan to branch out into management, but I probably won't be branching out into management until I hit my mid-30s. Um, right now, I'm trying to stay as technical as possible. But in IT, you have different areas. So you have like TPMs, your technical project managers. And those people are generally the ones who move up into management pretty quickly because those are people who have the technical aptitude, but they also have the management skills behind them. And a lot of those guys are eventually promoted to like directors or so on. You have your help desk individuals, which is what I started at. And those are really the, you could say like the ground force of IT. Those are the guys who basically go to the systems, make sure that they're being, that they're working like a user who's having a problem on their computer. Those are the guys who you generally talk to. Then you have your data center um, administrators and data center administrators sit, I would say a little bit above help desk. They sit probably a little bit below a systems administrator. And as a data center administrator, their main responsibility is to do things like change in hard drives that go bad, change in systems that go, so let's say for instance, a server in a rack is non-functioning put out with a new one, probably laying fiber optics cables for the data centers and stuff like that. Then a little bit above that, you have your systems administrators and your DBAs, and those generally sit at the same levels. Then a little bit above that, you have your DevOps engineers, where's what I sit at. And as a DevOps engineer, as we talked about before, you're basically designing an operation. So it's development operations. And above that, or for some companies, they might be at the same level. You have your SDEs, your software development engineers. And then at the top of the food chain, in the technical realm, you have your architects. And architects are responsible for designing, basically planning a new build. So let's say that a company decides that they're going to be moving their operations. Like Toyota the other day, they announced that they're moving their headquarters from California to Texas. As a systems architect, they are basically designing the entire IT layout for that new headquarters. So they'll design in everything from the fiber optics to so on. And in, as an architect, you have your network architects, you have your software development architects, and you have your systems administrator architects. And so those are the ones who are basically designing new systems, designing new buildings, and basically setting the plan forward on a technical realm for where the company is going for when they either do a new build or when they decide to move a location. So you, you covered a a lot of interesting points. You talked about what, uh, what, uh, how people progress, what the path looks like. I'd like to understand this as well. If someone listening to this, they think this is the path they want to take. What do you recommend to them if they want? How, how do they get started? Good question. So I would say that the first thing that they want to do if they want to get started is to really 
play around with the system. Um, if you're going to do Linux, if you've kind of decided that you want to either do Linux or you don't want to do Windows, buy yourself a cheap uh, workstation. It doesn't have to be th anything expensive. You can probably find them on eBay for maybe like $150, $200. Install Windows or install Linux on it. Probably run through a couple tutorials. Probably do something like setting up a web server. Install an Active Directory if you're on Windows or if you're on Linux, set up an LDAP server. Do some type of stuff on the computer to try and figure out if this is something that is for you. And then if you like that, then you can continue into the path where we'll talk about in a little bit later. If you want to go more off the software engineering side, you can do it on whatever computer you have. You can basically stand up a development system in maybe about 20, 30 minutes if, you're, if you have a technical aptitude. For people who are just starting out, it might take them about a day. And you can basically start programming in either Java, Python, PHP, C Sharp, or one of those languages. But I would say before you decide to do anything in terms of going out in this field, it would probably be a really good idea to, to get yourself involved in some type of project. Find some type of project online that you can possibly, or a tutorial online that you can follow. Do a couple of those. And if you feel that that is something that you like and you're actually having fun doing it, then the next step that I would say is to get yourself some sort of technical certification. I personally started out with an A+. Um, and I think that's probably the basic one and the easiest one to get started with. The A plus for a person who has just basically basic Windows experience. Um, and by the way, the A plus is for people who are working with Windows. If you want the technical certification for Linux, that would be the Linux plus. Um, and so those are basically the two different ones that you have. Um, the A plus for a person who does not have any technical experience starting from ground up, I would say it would probably be about a year to maybe a year and a half. And it's something that you can, and this is doing it part-time. If you do it full-time and you're 100% dedicated to it, you can probably do it within about six months. The certification cost is about, um, it's two, two exams, and I believe each exam is about $200 each, so it's going to be about $400 for it. If you do the Linux Plus, it's going to be, I think, $300, $350. And then once you have that technical certification, you can then start applying for jobs. My suggestion would be to apply for an entry-level position. And then as much as possible, you have one of two areas. You can either work your way up in a company, or you can do what I did. And I didn't want to work myself way up into one company because I kind of figured that the track for that would be too long because a lot of the times companies, there's politics that have to play. You can be as good as you want. In some companies, you might not even get the promotion because there's somebody who's in front of you up for promotion. So generally in such a case, what I would do is if you feel that you're kind of maxed out at the position that you are and you really want to move a lot faster, then start applying for a position that might be a little bit higher than what you're doing. And you just can kind of do that and work your way up. For a person who is starting out, I will say the best thing to do is to do contract work. Now, contract work works something like this. A company basically hires a contracting company such as Insight Global, K-Force Technologies, Vaco. Um, these are all companies I've worked for, by the way, and others. And they basically sign you up for six-month contracts, one-year contracts, or sometimes even like not a permanent contract, but something that is kind of like permanent until the person decides to leave. And so how that works is you'll basically go to a company like Insight Global, you will present to them your resume, and they will shop you around to different companies. And then you work such a contract. And the really good thing about it is that it's generally short-term, so you're not really tied into something that is long-term. And on top of that, you get a, gain a lot of experience. And then when that contract is over, you can then sign up for another contract or whatever else until you gain the experience where you're then ready to really jump into a role that you feel 100% comfortable or your dream job, as, in, as was the case with me. Wow. 
That was very extensive. I love it when someone goes into so much detail. So for those who just listened, what Arat has done is laid on a path, a step-by-step path, right from the beginning to here. And if you uh, think this is the career path for you, there's no excuses. He has just laid down step-by-step. So thanks for being very kind and gracious to share that, Arat. Now, let me ask you a flip side. So let's say you did touch on this briefly. You talked about promotion. You talked about management. Where can the path take them in the, like, uh, from this current position to the future? So I would say, I, I know a lot of people, they always like to say the sky is the limit. And that's not always the case. But in IT, really, the sky is the limit, depending on what you want to do. So for some people, there's going to be people who want to branch out. You have one of two areas. And for me, I kind of haven't decided yet what I'm going to do after I move out of systems administration. But I have one of two options. And so this is kind of like what I'll explain to you. So my career path looking forward, I'm currently a systems engineer, but my career path forward could be one of two things. I can move into a project management role as a TPM. And as a TPM, it really sets up your path to eventually move into management. Or I could move directly into management as a supervisor, as a manager, or something of that nature. The next role that you can move out is to do consulting. And I think that's kind of like where I want my career to eventually head into And the main reason why I like consulting is because consulting is great for one of three reasons. One, I'm single, so I don't have any kids, so I can travel a lot. And generally, when depending on the type of consulting that you do, a lot of the times it affords you the ability to travel, sometimes nationally within the country and a lot of times internationally. As a consultant, too, you have the option to work with a myriad of technologies, depending on what company you work for. And then number three, it really is a great position to move from a consultant to eventually move into management because a lot of consulting does stay on the technical side, but you also have to add the administration side into it. So for a person who is deciding to eventually move up into their role, I would say it really depends on what they want. Some people are cut out to be managers. Other people are not. I can't say if I'm cut out to be a manager because I've never been a manager yet. I have been in a supervisory role before, but I've never been a manager, so I can't really say if I'm going to like it. Eventually, I think I probably will move into that role. But for most people, they, the progression in IT is that the better that you become is the more the company or the more that companies will try and push you into management. And I will caution you, I will caution most people about this. Management is really good, but be very careful about moving into management very early. And the reason why I say that is because depending on the management role that you move into, a lot of the times it can cause your technical skills to wane. And technical skills are like almost any other thing. You'll use it or you'll lose it. And the industry moves at such a fast pace that being outside of the technical role for even two to three years, you can be so far behind. And I'll give you an example. Three years ago, most companies were not on a virtualized infrastructure. Most companies were still talking about bare metal systems. Now, almost every company is doing virtualization. Three years ago, most companies were not talking about the cloud. The cloud was just getting started. Now, almost every single major company you talk to, they have some sort of infrastructure in the cloud. Three years ago, the average systems administrator did not need to know any type of development work. They didn't need to know how to write scripts or automation. Right now, the whole entire IT industry is moving into automation. They don't want systems administrators to be just systems administrators. They want them to be able to do a little bit more than that. And so that's the reason why I say if you do decide to move into management, think long and hard about it because depending on what type of 
management role you do move into, it might cause your technical skills to wane. And if you should, God forbid, something happens, a company should go under or you should be fired or you're laid off or any of those bad things happen, and you decide that you then want to move back into a technical role, you might eventually have to take a pay cut. And I have seen all the people who have been in my position where they moved out of management and they moved back into a technical role and they had to take a pay cut because of that. So if you do decide to do management, not trying to discourage anyone from doing management, it is a great way and it does pay a lot more. But depending on the company that you work for, it might mean that you might be pushing more paper than doing more technical stuff. And depending on where you see your career going, that might be good or that might not be the best choice for you. Yeah, thanks for openly sharing that because that is so true. Depending on the company you are in, depending on the role, sometimes management means more administrative work. You're managing people. You're not doing technical work. Uh, And if you're someone who's actually, who enjoys the technicalities of the job and then you may not like it. So thanks. It's it's good because a lot of people think about only the paycheck, right? Yeah, if I become a manager, I get a 15% but they don't think hard about the role or even the extra hours they might have to put in on top of what they're already doing. And I can tell you from personal experience that as a manager, most of the times you're going, unless depending on some companies, they might be different, but for the vast majority of companies as a manager, you'll probably be put in in between 50 to 60 hours a week. And I know at certain companies I work for, I won't call their names because they don't want to spread anything bad, but there are companies I work for where the managers were easily put in in 60, 70 hours a week. They loved it. But the burnout rate in those companies was a lot higher. And so I, I remember seeing at least three different systems administrators literally walk away from the company. Not because it was a bad company. It was a really, really good company. And probably anybody would have wanted to work for this company. However, the burnout rate was so high because of the amount of work that was put on these managers. And so they basically eventually left and moved on to roles that did not require as much. So, and that's one thing that I will tell you in the technical role and in, especially in the technical field, depending on what company you work for, weekends is something that you might also have to consider giving up. Thankfully, I've been working in government style IT contracting jobs for the past three to four years. And in the government, the vast majority of people don't like to work weekends. So I've been blessed in that area. But if you do decide to go the commercial route, a lot of companies, they do want their system administrators and they do want their development engineers to work weekends because those are the days that customers are not using the system as much. And so those are the, generally the times that they're going to be running upgrades, deployments, and so on. Now, when you move into an environment like where I work, AWS, where the system is always on and it doesn't matter what time of day, you have to have a 99% of up and availability rate, then it really changes things. So we don't really do that much weekend work unless it's needed. However, what it does mean is that sometimes you will have to work long hours or sometimes you will be on call. And that really, I do want to say something about that with the on-call work, because most companies, when you do eventually move up into a role like what I am in, you will have some sort of on-call rotation. Some companies will be great with it where you probably won't get that many calls. And then all the companies um, you'll work, you'll probably be getting calls at like 2 a.m. in the morning. Like when I worked for one specific company, I remember there was religiously almost every other night, I was getting a call at 2 a.m. in the morning to fix some system that had broken because they had a 24-hour rotation. So it all depends on the company. And really, when you do go into an interview, you want to put your cards on the table. If you have kids, if you have family, if you have other things in your personal life that will be a hindrance to you doing certain things, try as much as possible to be upfront with it. Because if there's one thing that I've noticed, 
most companies, they'll be willing to work with you if you go far and beyond the call of duty. But however, you have to be upfront with them on the table. And when I came to AWS, that was something that I did um, talk to my managers about. I remember during the interview process, I was basically upfront with them. I said, hey, I like to travel. I like to go out of the country and whatever. So I'm like, will that be a problem? And they're like, no. They're like, we have an on-call rotation that does not really, that as much as possible does not affect your personal life. And I have to say that they've been really cool about that. I'm going to be taken off within the next couple of days on vacation and I won't have that problem. However, there are some companies that you might work for and that might be a problem. So in the interview process, as much as possible, try and find out what the work-life balance is because some companies are better than it than others. And you definitely do not want to put yourself in a role where you're burnt out too quickly. Hmm. So I would like you to expand on that because I, the, one of the questions I was going to ask you is what are the challenges one might face in your role? So you covered burnout, you covered about expectations. Could you, is there anything else that someone needs to know in terms of what the challenges could be? I think the, bigger, the biggest challenge is going to be the ability to know how to solve a problem and know when to escalate. Most companies work for, unless you're working for a company like AWS, and I think my role is a little bit different than the average IT role. And the reason why I say that is because Amazon has this policy where they like to build their own stuff. As much as possible, they like to build their own tools. They like to use it. Now their tools, a lot of the times, mimics what you see out in the industry. However, it's completely different. I can't really say that that's the case for here. However, previous to working at Amazon, I was working at NASA. And I managed a system called Windchill. It's from PTC. And the name of it is PDM Link. It's a PLM software. Basically, what that means is it manages the product life cycle of the different products that they put into it. Now, this software that we had, it was 100% platinum support. So whenever we had issues, if the system did go down, we had support to cover it. I'm saying that to say this, that as a systems administrator, you'll have to know when you need to escalate an issue or when you can solve it yourself. If you are working with a company or you're working with a department that has an SLA, service level agreement, that means that most SLAs require that you are up for a certain amount of time. For most companies I've worked for, their SLAs was about 99%. So they had to be up 99% of the time. However, they were breaking their SLA and they would be found in fault of their contract. And a lot of times that means that they'd either have to pay out money to whoever that they were hosting their stuff or cases like that. Another issue that I will say that you have to be careful of when moving into IT is it's not all beds and roses. There's going to be some days when you're literally going to be banging your head against the wall, trying to figure out what's going wrong. In those times, this is really where it comes down to troubleshooting. If there's one skill that I can say that will help you more than any other skill in IT, it's learn how to troubleshoot. In IT, we have something called the seven-layer stack. And it basically starts with what happens when a person does something on a graphical user interface and how does that goes down the stack all the way until it's converted to zeros and ones, goes through a circuit board, then goes to the other end and converted back into a graphical UI. So classic example is what happens when you send an email? Can you name out the process? And the reason why I say that is because the vast majority of your troubleshooting experience will rely on the seven-layer network stack and your ability to be able to troubleshoot when issues arise. And if, you can, if you're a very good troubleshooter and you know exactly what to look for, you can cut down the amount of time it takes to solve a problem from hours to minutes or from days to hours or from weeks to days. And that is one of the, I would say, probably the biggest skill that you need. And on top of that, I always tell people I would not be where I am if it wasn't for Google. Don't be afraid to use Google. If you do come across a problem 
before talking to a manager, before talking to a coworker, type in the issue on Google. There's 90% of the times, there's probably somebody who has ran either into the same problem or something very similar to what you're running into. And you can probably, that person can probably point you into the right direction. So things like GitHub, Stack Overflow, Stack Exchange, sites like those are as, re- as well as Google are going to be lifesavers for you when you're solving problems like that. Sometimes it doesn't always work because there are some times where you will experience propriety software and that probably won't be the case and you probably won't be able to rely on Google as much. But in those cases, most of the companies that you will be working with their software, they will offer either gold or platinum support, which means that you can generally call them at any time and say, hey, listen, I'm having this problem. Please assign me a support engineer to help me through my issues. And then you'll get it resolved. Perfect. Hey, thanks for uh, being honest once again, because uh, what I what I got from that is there will be challenges and you have to take it upon yourself to be a self-learner. And, yes. uh, and one thing about IT, one of the biggest challenges, even for someone from the outside, it's constantly changing. There's always new things coming up. So that would be something you would have to stay abreast. And I think that goes for any careers, but IT is one that easily gets... Well, disruptions happen over and over again. You talked about cloud, people who are not used to the cloud. Now they have to get used to the cloud. Now there is AI and machine learning. People are not used to that. They'll need to start getting used to that. So what I got from that based on your answer was you need to take the initiative. You need to be abreast and learn and adapt very quickly. Exactly. And that is 100% correct. And I think the big thing, especially when I said in IT, is that, that love for it. Like, if you really do love it, and this is the reason why I'll go back to my original introduction, if you love IT, like, you will be faced with challenges or whatever else, but ultimately, you'll like what you're doing. If you don't like IT, then trust me, it's probably not going to be for you. And it doesn't necessarily mean that there's not a part, portion of the information technology realm that you can get into. Some people, they just don't like to be as technical as I do. And so they'll probably become a project manager. They're still in the IT field, they're managing projects, but they're not doing the dirty work like what I'm doing and what all the guys are doing. Um, Some people might decide that they want to move into management. And so that is the realm. So I will say that IT doesn't necessarily mean you'll have to be 100% technical and you can either be a project manager, you can be a systems analyst, you can be a systems owner, or you can even be a regular manager. And even those, though, even though those roles will require a basic understanding of IT, depending on the company that you go to, it might not necessarily require you to get your hands dirty with the actual work like what I and other development engineers or systems administrators are doing. So it's a very wide field. But initially, you'll probably want to know what exactly excites you and what actually makes you want to come to work. Because if you don't have that excitement for the role that you're doing, trust me, it will burn you out. It doesn't matter how much money you're making, it's going to be a drudgery. And I'm speaking from experience when I say this. So we spent a lot of time talking about the challenges. I I want to flip the script right now and ask you about the things that you really enjoy. What would be the top three things that you really love about what you do? Good question. So for me, if I'm to be completely honest, what got me into IT was the fact that I want to say a really high paying, it's a really high paying career. I currently make six figures and for, and for a lot of people in IT, they do make that amount of money. So it's really does pick and mind, mind you, this is five years of technical experience right now. So with five years of technical experience, I'm already in the six figure range. And that's not uncommon for people in my field. I don't think it's because I'm that much more smarter than everybody else. Definitely not. So that was my biggest thing. I wanted to move into a field that provided me a decent salary 
and allowed me to be flexible. The thing that I also do like about IT is that it's very flexible because of the fact that most systems are, most companies are moving to a virtualized environment. They're moving things into the cloud like AWS, Azure, Google Cloud, and other places. It means that a lot of companies offer you that ability to work remotely. So when I worked at NASA, and for those of you who listen to Adam's podcast, I'm pretty sure he talked about this, is the fact that when I worked for NASA, I was working remotely for a lot of the times. I only came into the office twice a week. The rest of the time, I would work from home. And that's, there were some times when for two weeks, I wouldn't be in the office because I would be in Chicago visiting friends and family. So I do like that flexibility. And that's one of the other reasons why I do like IT. And then third, the other reason why I did like and the reason why I decided to stay in the field is because there's so many different areas where you can branch into. You can either, as I said, go into the project management side. You can either go into the engineering side. You can go into the support side. You can go into the desktop side or whatever. So there is so many different branches of IT that you can move into. So those would be the three reasons. And if I were to add a fourth reason, it's because I like a challenge and IT gives me a challenge. I hate going into a job and just doing the same thing every single day. For some people, they like that and for some, and that's cool. But for me, I get bored very easily. And so if, if I am in a role that is not challenging me, it was, it's not going to work out. And so that's the reason why I have consistently chosen jobs that were a challenge to me because it kept it interesting and it allowed me to excel because I was actually challenged. So those are the four main reasons why I like IT and I'm the reason why I think for a lot of people, it might be a good choice for them. Awesome. Awesome. All right. As we are coming to the end of the interview and before we wrap up, any final piece of advice that you'd like to give the audience? Yeah. So the two things that um, I will say is number one, I haven't completed my college degree yet. And for a lot of people, that's kind of shocking to them because they believe that you have to have a degree to move into IT or you have to have a technical degree. That is not the case. I had a friend of mine who he worked as a software developer for Microsoft and he did not have a degree. He in fact didn't even graduate high school. He eventually went and got his GED and that's where how he started working for Microsoft. So the requirement to have a degree specifically or even have a degree in IT is not needed. I will say this though, if you do decide to move into the management side of IT, most companies do have a stipulation that they want you to have a degree. doesn't mean that you have to have a technical degree. It could be in underwater basket weaving. And trust me, there are classes on underwater basket weaving. It's done. So you can have literally a degree in anything and that is a requirement. So that is a big thing. That's the first one. Secondly is even with a degree, it doesn't mean that you will excel. And so a lot of people, they think that they can go and they can get themselves a master's in computers, uh, sorry, in computer science, and it will guarantee that they're going to do well in IT. Doesn't necessarily mean that. IT is almost 100% based on your performance. If you're a good performer and if you can perform correctly, you will be with a job and you will not have a problem with getting a job. And so I talk to a lot of people about this and they always ask me like, well, how were you able to move so far in IT without having a degree? And I said, a lot of it also is because of the fact that I'm really good at what I do. And for a lot of the other people who don't have degrees, they are good at what they do. Now, I will say this, the majority of people who I do work with, they actually did have the discipline to finish their college degrees, unlike myself, who still can't decide whether he's going to finish or not. But if you do have a degree in accounting, like when I worked at NASA, my manager at one point, his degree was in political science. And he eventually moved into IT and got in. And I've talked to other people who their degree was in social justice or they were social science majors or whatever else. And they eventually moved into development roles. So if you do want to break into the field and you think that you need to go back to school, 
please don't. That's probably going to be the worst decision that you make because you're going to get yourself into a lot of debt and you'll probably are going to burn out before you get into IT. My best advice would be to, if you already have a degree, get a technical certificate like an A+, a Network+, a Linux+, from CompTIA, and then work your way in that role. And then maybe somewhere down in the future, you can possibly decide that you do want to go back to school and get a degree. Sometimes it might be a requirement depending on what you decide to go into. Other times it won't. The other thing I will leave with you and say this is don't be stagnant. A lot of the times people, they move into a company and they become complacent. Your likelihood of moving up in the IT field is a lot less if you stay at one company for five years than if you move around. I can honestly attest to the fact that the reason why I was able to move up so fast in the field was due to the fact that I was not stagnant. For my first year and a half in IT, I worked three, four, five, and six-month contracts. Every couple of months, I was changing out to a new company. And a lot of companies, they did ask me that. And you always hear this thing about company loyalty and about how people want you to be loyal. In IT, really company loyalty is about three to four years. Every three to four years, you should either be taking a new position within the company or you should be moving out. And the reason why I say that is because it's good for three reasons. One, it gives you a broader range of experience. Two, you make more money when you move from one company to another than when you take a promotion in a company. Most companies, when you're taking a promotion, you'll probably get in maybe about five to $10,000 increase in your salary. When you move to another company, you can jump. So I'll give you an example. When I moved from my previous company to here, it was between a twenty dollars and $40,000 increase. Had I stayed at that company and gone for that role at the same company I was with, I probably would not have gone there. I would have probably gone in a maybe a five dollars or $10,000 increase. So you do gain more money when you move from company to company. And last but not least, the main reason for moving from company to company every three to four years is because it also gives you the ability to learn new skills and you also gain more experience in your resume, which is kind of goes back to my original point. So please do not stay stagnant. Don't just stay at one company and just stay there. Now, if you decide that you want to do that, that's fine. But if your initial plan or your ultimate goal is to be the best that you can be in the career, you're going to want to move around. And the final piece of advice that I can possibly say to you is try and find a good way to relieve stress. IT can be very stressful and not everyone manages stress very well. I like to think that I do manage stress very well. And so because of that, it has afforded me the ability to actually stay pretty cool in situations that most people would probably be like, losing their hair over. So if you do have a hobby or whatever else, try and do that. Have hobbies outside of IT. Probably might be video games. It might be traveling or whatever else. Things to keep yourself up to date. And most importantly, stay on top of technology. I have seen this so many times where a person, they get, they come into a role and they become an expert in that one subject matter. The industry moves away from that technology or moves away from that product and they are left out cold. And now they have to relearn skills. So yes, you do want to be an expert manager and you want to be an expert in a specific subject matter. However, you don't want to tie yourself to one specific product. So a classic example is SharePoint. Don't become just a SharePoint administrator if you can. Have a little bit more experience in all the areas. So in case you cannot, you do not find it, a role as a SharePoint administrator, you can possibly find a role in somewhere else. And it will definitely add to your bottom line, which is the money that you're carrying home at the end of the day.
Wow, I love that. I love that because what you just said does not, only, in my opinion, does not only apply to IT. It applies even though you were getting towards IT professional. It applies to any professional. Uh, being stagnant is one of the biggest mistakes you can do for your career. And you started off by saying you don't necessarily need a degree to get started. That's very encouraging. And look at you. I mean, you're doing very well. You sound very passionate. Um, that's why I love doing this these type of interviews because people listening to this who don't have the hope, they can get that encouragement. So, all right. Thank you very much. You shared a lot of information openly. I enjoyed it. I'm sure the audience learned a lot as well. No, definitely. And I will put this out there. If anybody has is interested in getting into the career and they would like to talk to me on a one-on-one, I will be given my contact information to Nasir and he can possibly, what you call the pass information on. Because as I said, there is really, there is a big need for people in IT. I was talking to my manager the other day and he was telling me how they went to a job sourcing event and they were looking to hire people. And he said, like, out of the 150 or 160 different individuals we talked to, he said he was not able to find anyone with the experience that they need. And the one thing that I will say is that generally, the more that you move up, obviously, the more experiences you're going to need. But it is rewarding in terms of the money that you'll make, in terms of what you'll be doing. So if you have any questions or whatever else, feel free to reach out to me. I'll see it as much as possible pointing you in the right direction. And once you do believe that you're up and ready to apply for jobs, I do know a bunch of contacts from either from companies to recruiting agencies and recruiters who are looking for jobs and they are willing to pay top dollar for great experience. So I thank you, Nasir, for the interview. And I'm looking forward to seeing more people into IT because it is a way of the future. And unfortunately for us, a lot of the jobs that we normally do now it's moving the way of IT. And for people, as is said in science, the stronger survive. And unfortunately, IT, that's the way that it is right now. So for those of you who are looking, and if you think that IT is great for you, please give it a consideration because I believe that if you can find passion in doing IT work, whether it's development or systems engineering, this will definitely be a career that you can work way up until you're ready to retire. Wow. I will make sure to add that in the call notes. Once again, on behalf of everyone, thanks, Orette. And everyone else, thanks for listening to yet another episode of the Career Medis podcast. I have written a brief summary of the interview with links and resources as discussed during the interview as well in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode feel and learned something new, feel free to share it with your network and also write a review. As, as you know, here at Career Medis, we enjoy the reviews you send us. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmed, your host for the Career Medis Podcast. Thank you.